This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hallo und welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga Podcast. I'm your host Manuel Feed. And yeah, as always, I'm joined by Stefan Bienkowski. Stefan, how's it going? Yeah, very, very well. The season's over. There's no more football. Well, there's still some, but it's almost all finished. Uh, but we've got a really exciting summer transfer window ahead of us, which I think is probably going to take up most of the show. Yeah, I think so too. Um, got a couple other topics to talk about. It's it's that time of the year. And, you know, in the past, in the last few years, we decided to actually take a break once the season is over uh, from this podcast. But I think this year, Stefan, because of where we're working at Transfermarkt, I kind of sense this year it will be a little different. And we're actually going to go throughout the summer and giving little updates here and there about transfers, big transfers, small transfers, that kind of stuff, um, which is a little bit different, newer, I guess, than what we did in the past. Um, so it should be good. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't there in the past, so I can't say anything <laughs> for it. But you and I are going to be working every day anyway, so we might as well turn the mics on from time to time. Exactly. Um, and yeah, so I think we, we should just jump right in. Um, it's going to be a bit of a quicker episode than usual. Uh, this is usually when we record our pre-match stuff. So yeah, I'm um, going to jump right into it after this break. This episode of the Game Pressing Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA and NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE that is BELIEVE B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit Bet Online where the game starts So yeah um, I think the first thing that we want to talk about is the relegation playoffs we now know ah, this is going to pay me Stefan Hef Magat I am very, very sorry. Uh, <laughs> you actually managed to keep Hertha Berlin in the league. I didn't think you would be able to do it. Um, yeah, never got relegated from the Bundesliga. Job done. Hertha stay in. I think, though, this was probably pretty tough for him 
You saw him on the sidelines, standing on the sidelines, and the moment the final whistle blew, he just walked off. Obviously, um, people who don't notice Felix Magat is a HSV legend. Scored right. the goal against Juventus Turin when they won the the the, the not the Champions League, the old European Cup um, in 1983, and he scored that that goal, of course, and. Yeah, and, and of course, he was also sporting director and head coach, has saved HSV in the past from relegation, actually. And now he ensures that Hamburg are in Bundesliga 2 for one more year. I think uh, his reaction said it all. It was it was a job done for him. And, uh, and he basically said after, <laughs> after, the, after the game, too, my work is done here, I'm done. Hertha um, do, Stefan. I mean, for them, the work is only just beginning. Oh, absolutely. I think there's going to have to be a huge upheaval at the club to ensure that this doesn't happen again. Uh, I still have absolutely no confidence in the squad whatsoever. No. Um, you know, it depends who they can bring as a head coach. Um, I'm not entirely optimistic that they'll be able to be bringing anyone inspiring either. There's just there's just so much work that needs to be done in that team. And it's in a, in a long in, a, in many senses, I think it would have been more sense for them to get relegated just so they could kind of wipe the slate clean. They could just bin a number of those players mm. and then just start again. Um, but you know, fair enough. They've won the game that was put in front in front of them. I, they looked absolutely abject in the first leg. Yeah, and, and I was really, was really quite surprised that they were able to kind of turn it around. Um, and. You know, I honestly just cannot pretend to be excited about this. No one is. We all wanted Hamburg yeah. to go up. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's the thing. I tweeted afterwards, like, um, you know, I just did like a kind of curb your enthusiasm tweet of um, what's his name? Just kind of going, meh. And that's honestly how I feel about Hertha. It's how I felt about Hertha for some time now, just because it's not. It's got nothing to do with Berlin. It's got nothing to do with their fans. Obviously, it's just the fact that they are a club who've squandered so much money and so many opportunities, and it just seemed like the very worst aspects of modern football. Um, and and Hamburg, yeah, ten years ago they were in the exact same position. It feels like they've kind of done their penance. It feels like they've paid for their crimes. Um, that old uh, that old clock has been disbanded broken down and it's now in a museum in Dortmund it's you know they 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 feel like a club reborn uh and it would have been so nice to have Hamburg back in division and you know it's interesting we were kind of talking about this before we started recording about the kind of nature of the competition and how you have the team that finished third in the Zwei Bundesliga mm. playing the team who finished third last in the Bundesliga and you had some pretty intriguing stats as to how that tends to play out, didn't you? Yeah, so this is the, the second in, um, second time relegation playoffs have been part of the Bundesliga system. It was brought back 14 years ago, right? Um, it was it was previously part of the Bundesliga or the league system in Germany um, and it was disbanded, I think, in the late 80s. Um, I think it was part of the 1991-92 season when we had the East German teams as well. You know, that, that was when we had the very big table with 22 teams and um, because we needed to integrate all these new clubs into the league structure, right? So we mm-hmm. had a relegation then too, as I, th- I believe, but uh, it was disbanded and then it didn't exist until when, until 14 years ago when it was brought back. Previously, the first three in the second Bundesliga went up and the bottom three of the Bundesliga went down. And mm-hmm. since it's been brought back, only three out of the 14 games played or two-legged affairs played 
uh, went to the second division side, um, right. including the first one where Nuremberg uh, relegated Enneke Cottbus. And I mean, Enneke Cottbus were at a state where they really were not a Bundesliga side and Nuremberg very much were so, right? And um, yeah, I mean, on Hertha actually got relegated against Fortuna Düsseldorf. That's another example. So it doesn't really happen very often. And three out of 14, you know, if it was 50-50, I would say, okay, fair enough. You know, this is, mm. this is, this is a fair playoff. Um, but this is a number where I'm thinking, okay, you might as well just relegate two and promote two. Um, mm. And I find it intriguing too, that when you go one level down, we had, of course, Dinamo Dresden go down against Kaiserslautern. Dinamo Dresden being the second division side and Kaiserslautern the third division side. Um, and Kaiserslautern very convincingly beat Dresden, uh, whose fan culture um, showed the very darkest side of German football, I feel, um, when they got, did get relegated. But in the second division, the second division to third division, the third division teams have won 10 out of 14, Stefan. Which shows you, of course, that the gap between the third division and the second division is a lot smaller than it is between the Bundesliga and the second Bundesliga. And I do wonder maybe that in its current form, we love the drama. Don't get me wrong. I think everyone who's not involved, um, I had my club involved twice, 1860. We won one, we lost one. The one that we lost, we dismantled this Allianz Arena and never came back. Um, and there was a very, you know, very much a sense that this is the most brutal thing to go through for a club. I think it puts the clubs themselves in a very difficult position in which, and I don't want to excuse anything that fans do because it was atrocious what happened, um, but it does put the fans into a position where you kind of invite trouble, right? For Especially for the team that's going down. Mm. Um, and I just wonder if that's necessary in its current format. Um, I like what they do in England, for example, Stefan, with yeah. the, with the, what is it? The first two go up, right? And then it's third, fourth, fifth, and sixth into the playoffs. Yeah, yeah exactly. You, you kind of took the words right out from under my mouth there. I think that just seems like the best way to do it. It's, you know, it, I just, I just don't like the idea of the team in the top division getting a second chance. Yeah. to fix things you know it just doesn't seem very fair to me especially when it's at the expense of a team that should be getting promoted and and i mean i think probably the cleanest way to do it would just be have two three up three down yeah. because you know we're living in a world where top top flight football demands so many games per season that you know there really doesn't need to be any additional matches to it but if you are going to do something i think the english championship probably does it best because it mm -hmm. basically does a short competition between those four teams and it's four teams who are competing to get into the league so whoever wins you know it's a new team in a division but also you know the playoff final tends to happen after the premier league comes to an end if i'm not mistaken mm -hmm. at least for my i can remember um and it means the whole nation has something to watch so there is a lot of intrigue there's a lot of attention to play to it it gives these day, it gives these teams a kind of day in the sun, and in 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 England, these kind of playoff finals are kind of up there with like cup finals in terms of yeah. the attraction, attention they attract. So, I just think that'd be a more a fairer way of doing things because, from what we've seen from the first what fourteen years of this trial, it doesn't seem to be favouring or doesn't seem to be fair for uh, the team in the second division. So, I'd, mm -hmm. I'd scrap it if I could. 
Yeah, I think that maybe the only other one that, and I'm not sure this will ever happen, but the Bundesliga is the smallest of all the first divisions, all the top four first divisions, right, with 18 teams. And so is the second division um, with also just 18 teams. And we, we have so many teams that should be in either one of those divisions that are not because of the size of the league. And I almost wonder, because the third division is 20 teams, and I almost wonder if you should expand the top three flights from um, 56 to, to 60 teams, if that would be a better reflection. And then what you could do in that case, you could do a playoff between the team that finished fourth last in the Bundesliga and fourth in the second division. Because if you finish fourth in the second division, then you know you don't necessarily deserve to be promoted, but you maybe deserve a chance. And it's the same for the team that's in the Bundesliga. And the team in the Bundesliga, you, you look at the record that we have now, it'll probably be pretty close to this record. So, you know, you would still have that added drama if it if it is for TV for TV, and this is a very much a TV made um TV made competition at the end of the season, isn't it? With two extra games, or I guess four extra games if you include and Kaiserslautern against Dresden, and that's two very big big teams in German football and German history, right? Um, playing for that final spot in the second division, and because of the size of the two divisions, play, being in the second division is actually a pretty big deal. Um, and um, I think it does. It actually would make sense, maybe to do look at the league structure in that regard, but. I'm with you. I feel like if you were in the bottom three, I'm sorry, but <laughs> you probably deserve to go down, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's just, I don't know. Anything that would have got Hertha down and Hamburg back up, I was all in favor of. So, yeah. Um, but I guess we'll just have to see what happens with the competition going forward. I feel for Hamburg too, because the team that they put together, it actually seemed like they're on the right track. They have a good coach. There's a lot of good young players there. The crowd was fantastic. Um, Post-game too, no ill behavior. Um, And I just feel that City is screaming for first division football. We just spent three days there. It's such a wonderful place, right? And one of the second biggest city in Germany. And you just think this this place needs first division football. And I do think, as you said, I do feel they have done their penance. <laughs> they really have. And I think this just adds to it. And I think enough is enough. I, I really truly hope that they finish in the top two next year and just go straight up. And then you look at Hertha, um, all the stuff that's going on now. There was a really interesting thread on Twitter, and I just really want to sum it up really quickly. Um, I retweeted it, so it's on my timeline, um, about the things that are happening now. I mean, first of all, there's 370 million euros gone. Uh, the Windhorst money is all gone. Um, then they have 20 players on loan. All of these players will not come back. They need a new head coach. Uh, there has been some stuff going on with Freddy Bobic as well. He is likely to be back, but a lot of the people he brought over from Frankfurt probably will not be back because they're on huge salaries. Um, so that that leaves the question is, what is going to be left, right? And who is going to pay for it? Because I don't think Windhorst has the sort of money to invest any further. Um, the president has resigned, Gegenbauer. This is just shambles throughout. And um, I don't know. I... I, I I wouldn't be surprised if Hertha goes straight down next year. 
Yeah, exactly. And this is this is the kind of this is why I'm so ambivalent towards him staying in division because I just don't think they offer anything to the top flight. Yeah. I could be wrong. They could be great. They could turn things around and I'll be happy to admit that I'm wrong, but they just do not get me excited about next season whatsoever. No. Um, tough times coming for Hertha. Um, I think the relegation playoffs, we can wrap it up. The season is now officially over. And yeah, we'll see what goes on with Hertha next year. Um, transfers. We... Have a few where we know it's pretty close. Um, should we talk about Klosek first, Stefan? You did just did a piece on him for Transfermarkt. Quite an interesting signing. A 19-year-old Czech striker, right? And mm. uh, has been linked to Leipzig, actually, for the last two years. Never They never got it across the line. He's now going to Leverkusen for around 20 million euros. Um, you and I talked when this news broke quite a bit about this uh, I do I, I spoke to Simon Rolfes uh, last week when I was at Leverkusen or two weeks ago now when I was in Leverkusen and he was pretty adamant that uh, Schick is going to stay but I do think that Klosik is going to be a Schick replacement just not this year I think he's a ready mate you know he's going to be in the team um, and then when Schick does leave eventually they basically can just slot him right in how do you see this transfer? Yeah, it's a really interesting one um, because it kind of came out of nowhere to an extent. I know he's been linked. He's also linked with West Ham for much of the season as well. Um, it just seems like Leverkusen doing what Leverkusen do best, which is just brilliant scouting, brilliant networking, and just kind of swooping in for these young players before the likes of Dortmund or Bayern Munich even know who they are. And, you know, on paper, obviously, he's a very good signing, very young player, but obviously... It comes with some complications just because Leverkusen already have like three or four strikers as it is. Um, and obviously, you know, the, the, the natural reaction is to say, right, okay, if they're signing this guy, then they must be selling Patrick Schick. But, you know, as we've talked about, you know, Schick has a contract at Leverkusen until 2025. There's no real noise around the club that, they're they're expecting any offers, or that they're they're trying to they're, they're desperately trying to convince them to stay around, like like for example Lewandowski at Bayern Munich, um, and basically if someone does come in for them, they can name their price. I've had some people ask me on Twitter today whether they think Sheik could end up at Bayern as a response to this, and I, st- I still just have the same answer. As things stand right now, Bayern simply cannot afford Patrick Sheik. It's just not going to happen. Mm. Um, Unless something dramatic changes, like they sell Gnabry and Lewandowski or something this summer, and they suddenly got sixty million in the bank, but yeah. it's not going to happen uh, unless something like that changes. Um, same goes for even I think he's been linked with Arsenal in England because they need a striker desperately. I can't see. I mean, they probably might have the money, um, but again, it's just a situation which Leverkusen play hold all the cards. And Arsenal um, play Europa League, right? Uh, yes, they just missed out on the Champions yeah. League, so there's, there's that problem as well. So, uh, you know, I think I think what we're going to see here is obviously Lucas Alario's one who was strongly tipped to actually leave in January. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing came about from it. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of murmurs from your part of the world that he might end up out that way. So I checked on that today, and uh, MLS is not a hot topic at the moment. 
Oh really? Mm-hmm. We, we okay. talked we talked about it earlier, right? And uh, mm-hmm. so I I asked someone who knows, and um, it's it's just not good timing to go to MLS for Lucas Alario, uh, but he's de- they're definitely looking to offload him. Mm-hmm. So there we go. So that's probably something like that's going to happen. Um, yeah, and and if he moves on, then that that's the, that's the, they've got. They can, they can obviously bring Klozik in, and that's three strikers. So yeah. I think it works. I think if he if he's like a long term replacement for Schick, then that works as well. I think also like I've had someone explain to me that he's a bit like Timo Werner, and I've seen like from clips yeah. from him uh, in the Czech Republic, he can also kind of play out wide as well as a kind of inside forward or a wide forward, and so that really kind of makes me think that you know there's no reason why he can't kind of slot in alongside Schick this season. Mm-hmm. Um, Someone because... suggested he could play the Wirtz role even until Florian Wirtz comes back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we've, we've kind of seen that this season as well. Leverkusen were actually extremely unlucky in the sense that they obviously lost Schick and Florian Wirtz, but they're mm. also very lucky that they still had Diaby. And Diaby was probably put on his most consistent season of his career. Yeah. But if you kind of look through that team, after Diaby, there's not actually a huge amount of goals from out wide positions or even from midfield except for Florian Verts. So it makes sense that they're bringing in more firepower and someone who can maybe slot into a few different positions. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, and so I, I if if you're if, if people are wondering whether this means they're going to sell Schick, then I, th- I think it's probably an emphatic no, at least for this summer. Yeah, and they're bringing in Mikhailo Mutrik as well from Schachter. That's mm-hmm. um a little birdie told me that's very close. Um a little birdie told me that's very close yesterday and then a lot of little birdie confirmed to me that it is very close so i assume it's pretty close <laughs> i mean the player himself has confirmed it in an interview right and uh, said that it, he really wants to go to leverkusen and i think where we are right now is that Schachter and leverkusen just have to come to come to a price and uh, my understanding is that they're pretty close as well and they're just awaiting to to announce it i wouldn't even be surprised if they announced Lossek and mutik at the same time hmm. Right, and that's two pretty interesting signings for them. Um, right, so Mutrik and Klosek, and, and two players that can play various positions as well. Which is, I think, um, when I when I when I talked to Simon uh, Simon Wolfers, who we actually had on the show um, before the season started, um, he he pointed us out that he wanted players that can play different positions. Mm. So it makes sense. And Champions League, that's a lot of extra games next year. Right, yeah, and we kind of did see Leverkusen begin to fall apart because yeah. it didn't have a huge amount of depth. So it, it would make sense if they are going to spend this summer kind of prioritizing filling all spaces. But it's an exciting signing, uh, you know. It, Leverkusen just do this very well. It's, it's it's something that I've always admired about Leverkusen. They're a very smart club, yeah. very well run club, especially in the transfer window. Uh, and it seems like they've managed to unearth another gem. Yeah. Uh, a lot of Eastern European flair at Leverkusen next year. Schick, Klosek, Asmun came, of course, from Zenit, right? Mutrik uh, from is a Ukrainian player. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think, always with the caveat that it is Leverkusen, but it does look pretty exciting there. Something to keep an eye on. So, uh, I want to move on to the next player, and this is why I think that Bayern will not go for. Patrick Schick is because Bayern keep getting linked to all these other guys. And we do know that they are talking to Sasha Kalajic's agency. Mm-hmm. We know it because they were there. And we know because it's been confirmed to us. 
uh, through various sources that they were there and that they were talking. Uh, my understanding is that between Bayern and Kalaitzic, it's the most concrete between uh, between the two. Um, mm. So, yeah. It's, Hold on, I have... Yeah. It's, nope. a, it's, it's an interesting one, I find. Um, because <laughs> I, I just... I look at Kalaitzic... And uh, the rumors linking him to Bayern, they, to kind of round up what I was thinking of earlier, they, they, they can't be going for um, Schick if they're going so strongly for him, right? Hmm. Yeah. If it, it, I must admit, I still don't really understand this move. I really don't. Um, hmm. We were kind of talking about this before we started recording, and I have no doubt that Bayern are going for Kledzic, but... I don't know what he's supposed to represent to them. And there were reports in Germany yesterday that he may now pick Dortmund over Bayern because, you know, he obviously feels like he might have a better chance of game time at Dortmund. Yeah. But, and you can understand why, because there's two scenarios going to play here. Either Lewandowski does leave this summer and then all of a sudden Kaladzic is the guy who's got to come up with 40 goals next season which he's not going to do. He's a good player. He's a good young player, but I don't think he's ready to step into those shoes. And the second situation is that Leverkusen, eh, Leverkusen, is that Lewandowski stays, mm. who, let's not forget, is not only one of the best strikers in the world, but he's also one of the best players in the world staying fit. So we've seen numerous strikers come into Bayern with the intention of being Lewandowski's backup, and they just simply don't get any game time. Yeah. So... It just feels like a lose-lose to me for Kalantic to move to Bayern. He could go, he could replace Lewandowski, he could become a star. I, I I actually really do think he's a great player. I've been hyping him up on this podcast for the whole season. And at one point I said he could be a good Erling Haaland replacement, but that's because at Dortmund uh, they have a culture of bringing in young players, giving them time to develop, and there's not a huge amount of expectation on them to go on and win a Champions League or a Bundesliga. At Bayern, you have to hit the ground running. Um and yeah, so it, this this move just does not make any sense to me. So I'd be really surprised to see what happens with it. So I have a theory. You know my theory because I told you before the podcast. But my theory <laughs> is that they are indeed very far with Bayern. Um, this is me reading between the lines of things that I've been told. Um, that yeah. they're indeed very far with Bayern. But Bayern have Hassan Salihamidzic, can't make a quick decision. So um, the camp, Kalajic camp, puts out these things saying, oh, well, Dortmund are interested in this unnamed team in England. And if you don't make up your mind soon, we're just going to put him somewhere else. Hmm. I think I think this is them basically forcing Bayern's hand. Yeah. And then just kind of put a bit of pressure on them to, to try and make a move. But then it makes me wonder whether Bayern are actually genuinely interested. So I don't know. I really don't know. It's very, very early in the summer transfer window. I think a lot can change. But of all the moves that Bayern have been linked with and have already made this summer, I think Kaladzic would would be probably the most risky of them. Yeah, I think so too. The only thing is, okay, we do know that they have now signed uh, Nuzir Mazruni from Ajax. Um and it does look like that they are looking into bringing in wing backs who can basically just put the ball into the box uh, with Kalajic being the target man. Uh, so Masruni is done, Stefan. 
Um, I think an interesting transfer, I think they needed to do something on right back simply to free up um, Pavard for the centre-back role. And I, I'm pretty sure now centre-back, that, that position is now filled. I don't think they're going to do anything else, even with Sule leaving. Whether that's the right thing to do or not is, is a completely different topic, I think. But um, yeah, Masuni done. Um, that right-back role has been a big hole for them for some time. Yeah, a huge role. It's kind of forced Nagelsmann to play all sorts of systems and play all sorts of attacking players who really should be further up the pitch in right wing-back spots. Something that Serge Gnabry's had to do, something that Leroy Sané, Kingsley Coleman, Benjamin Pavard, none of them really do it tremendously well. Uh, and I do wonder if this would allow Bayern to kind of switch back to a back four. I know mm. Nagsman does like a back three, but if it if he decides to move back to a back four with this new signing and then Alonso on the, on the left... Um, uh, sorry, Alonso. Alfonso no, Davies. Davies left. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, sorry. Fonzie. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why I was thinking Alonso there. Um, and then obviously that means they only have to have two central defenders, which yeah. is what Pavard can fit in. So it, it kind of solves almost two positions in one if Nagelsmann wants to go along that way. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it, it's a great move. It's a move that Bayern had to get sorted. They should have sorted it maybe two seasons ago, to be perfectly honest with well, you. I think they tried when they got when they went after Hikino Dest and then Dest uh, went to Barcelona. Mm. And they haven't really been able to find anyone since. Yeah, yeah, but it's kind of like, well, why? This, and this goes back to the whole kind of problem with Salihamovic. Why is yeah. he spending all summer trying to find? Why is he spending all summer trying to sign Sergino Dest? And if that doesn't work out, where's the backup? Where's Plan B? Bunasar yeah, was the well, backup. <laughs> it doesn't sound like he put much effort into the backup then. No, uh, but. Yeah, so you know it's it's uh, that's actually a very smart signing. There's another one that they're about to make, which I'm mm. sure you can talk about in a moment. Uh, these guys just seem like very smart, functional signings, albeit not entirely remarkable. I don't know. I mean, they just feel yeah. like kind of they just feel like kind of clever squad moves, you know. Um, well, well, I mean, obviously the other players, Gravenberg from. Ajax, are these two guys going to be the ones that kind of help them make that step up to challenge in the Champions League? In time, yeah, maybe. Uh, but mm. they, they kind of feel, it, it, this kind of feels like kind of spring house cleaning, you know, or housekeeping. Like, all oh, right, we need a centre mid, oh, we need a right back, that's good. It doesn't feel like Bayern are yet at the stage where they're going to improve on the players that they have, if yeah. you know what I mean. No, I agree with you. And Ryan Gravenberg is, of course, the other one um, that deal is with, with Ajax is agreed. Um, he still has to complete his medical. That's going to be held up until June. So we just published the article today, right, uh, about um, his move with all the financial details on Transfermarkt. Um, the, the original fee is 19 million euros um, with add-ons that can grow to 25, 7.5 sell-on clause for Ajax. Um, it's a good piece of business for a very, very talented midfielder. Um, this is the second most that they have spent uh, for U20 players since Renato Sanchez. I know all of this at the top of my head because I just put it all together, but um, <laughs> it, it is an interesting one because it does... Uh, when I saw that Renato Sanchez name, I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> um, that was actually kind of my reaction because Ryan Grafenberg is a, is a very good player. Um, I think he has the, the potential to become a very good player. I don't think he's going to be that... Um, they've been looking to replace Thiago for some time and I don't think uh, Grafenberg is it. Is it 
is that kind of player. He's a bit more like Goretzka rather than Thiago, right? A little bit more of a box-to-box, pretty tall, pretty physical, um, moves the ball well. But he didn't have the best year with Ajax either. Um, mm. His year before was much better. And then, of course, his contract situation... Um, he would have been a free agent at the end of the year and maybe that had something to do with it. It's it's a hard one, but you know, it isn't like that young players um, often worked out when they went to Bayern at that age. I can really think of only one that was a full success right away and that's Joshua Kimmich. Yeah, exactly. And it, do you know the thing that really makes, that I think so interesting about this deal um, it's that the reports from I think it's Bild and maybe somewhere else saying that Ajax have demanded a sell-on clause mm. uh, to be included in it. That fascinates me because I feel like that's, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but nothing off the top of my head comes to mind in terms of Bayern ever even having to imagine the concept of a sell-on clause from a selling club because yeah. Bayern, yeah. Don't, Bayern don't tend to sell their players. But you know, this I think this is a really interesting. Like it's it's almost like uh, the what you call it, the the minor uh, wording in a document. What's the word? The small the small print. That's yeah. it. It's kind of like Ajax saying, "Oh, by the way, when you do sell him to the Premier League, we want a we want a piece of that cake." You know, and it's not like, and and then Bayern are just kind of like, oh, "Right, okay, yeah, fair enough." Because, and I, I just think that's a really interesting telling thing about the way that the market is slowly shifting here we've talked about it in the podcast a few mm-hmm. times how Bayern are struggling more and more to keep up with the Premier League they're struggling to keep their players from joining Premier League teams and now you've got Ajax who have been negotiating with Bayern for what last year or something there's talk yeah. about Viola kind of finalized this deal last summer Ajax are now looking at Bayern the same way same way that they probably would look at Dortmund if they were coming in for this player and say, yeah, okay, here's a fixed price, but when you do eventually sell him, we want a piece of that cake, which I feel like something that Bayern have never had to really contend with before. Yeah, I do do find it interesting. I wonder if Ajax are just gambling a little bit here because I Oliver Kahn made it quite clear that they're not a seller's club, right? But then again, there's 19... They, they had to sell Renato Sanchez, for example, because he just mm. didn't work out. Um, so maybe... That's that's when the sell-on fee comes into effect. Like even even if they sell them for less than what they're paying for to Ajax now, Ajax would still get a piece of the cake, right? And um, I mean, we've seen that in the past that Bayern had to sell players um, because they didn't work out. Mario Götze is another one um, who they had to sell back to Dortmund just because he just simply didn't work out. So I think it could be in for that. Um, but one of the things that makes me hesitant of saying maybe they can compete with the Premier League. I think where they, where they have a problem competing is in players wanting to maybe go to a team where they have, uh, where they can increase their reputation. Lewandowski going to Barcelona or Real Madrid comes to mind, or Alaba are going to Real Madrid. Um, but why I'm thinking that Bayern might actually be in less trouble when it comes to Premier League money than we think is when I look at Sadio Mane. Um, Sadio good segue, good segue. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but because like, if the numbers that I'm hearing are true about how much Sadio money makes at Liverpool, then I do think that Bayern Munich are probably still quite a far way away from the very top of the Premier League. Maybe with the exception of Manchester City and Newcastle United, because they just spent silly money, right? 
Hmm. But Saudi money is it on about seven to eight million euros or pounds hmm. um, at Liverpool. Uh, Kingsley Coman makes seventeen at Bayern. Yeah, right. but but the only thing I'd add here is that Coman now makes seventeen million because he spent a year flirting with the Premier League, <laughs> and right. Bayern ha- and Bayern had to say, yes. right, we'll give we'll give you a full wage so you don't go to Manchester United or. But they did also outspend uh, City for Sunny. Yeah, of course. No, you're absolutely right. Bayern do still pay some of the best wages in the world. There's no yeah. doubt about it. But I, I mean, this is the, this is a kind of weird thing about football and the kind of internal politics of it all. We never, we we don't, and we never probably will know whether Kingsley Coman ever did have any interest in moving to England. But the important fact is that he used that perceived interest yes. to get more money from Bayern Munich, and I think 100%. that. That's probably what keeps Oliver Kahn up at night. The fact that, you know, um, okay, he doesn't have to worry about it with Manuel Neuer or Thomas Muller because these guys are Bayern through and through. But Serge Gnabry is obviously, uh, this, is a, this is a whole factor in his, uh, you know, his, his, his next contract renewal. Will it be one when Jamal Musiala sits down to sign a new deal? Will he turn mm-hmm. around and say, right, well, Manchester City will offer me this. So you have to offer me this. So it's things like that that interest me. And, you know, although Can says Bayern will never become a selling club, I'm kind of, I don't know, I'm always kind of inclined to kind of take these things with a pinch of salt whenever these guys at Bayern do come out with these grand <laughs> statements because Smart. they they, ov- yeah. <laughs> they, obviously, they they obviously have a reputation and an image to uphold yeah. at Bayern Munich. Um, and if Oliver Can came out and said, yeah, we're signing Gravenberg, but Ajax wanted a release clause in there because there's a good chance that Man United might spend 150 million signing him in five years, then he's not allowed to say that. Um, mm. But that's that's possibly where things are going. But yeah, we'll see. It's just a minor thing that I noticed. I thought it was interesting. I didn't mean, I don't mean to kind of put a downer on things for Bayern Munich fans who are excited this guy joined the club. I think he's a great signing. Mm. Uh, but it's, it, it is an interesting thing because you see it a lot in Dortmund's deals and it's almost like a kind of backhanded insult, like the club saying, okay, you can have our player, but let's be honest, he's moving in two or three years, and we want a piece of that. Um, yeah. So it's interesting. But yeah, let's talk about Sadio Mane. Yeah, Sadio Mane. Well, so apparently they're, they're working quite hard on on getting him. Uh, Mane made some comments today, I think, that his future will be decided after the Champions League final. Um, he did, yeah, he said that. That's not exactly a commitment to Liverpool. Also coming the same day that um, Mohamed Salah said that he'll be staying at Liverpool this summer, but he hasn't thought about his future afterwards, which Ooh. his contract is also up. So, you know, things are moving. And it's also really interesting. I mean, this isn't a Premier League podcast, so I'll make this point very brief. But Mbappe, uh, after a Greenstein at PSG, confirmed that he was also speaking to Liverpool um, before agreeing to, you know, stay at PSG. So, I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool are probably looking at the market right now thinking, we're probably going to lose Mane and Salah in the next 12 months. Mm. Uh, maybe Mane this summer, Salah next summer. Uh, so we have to get our ducks in a row here. They've obviously done that with Diogo Jota, who they signed mm. last year, and then obviously they brought in Diaz in January. But I think they're probably going to be gunning up for a big striker as well at some point, which maybe brings us back to Patrick Schick. Um, but yeah, anyway, going back to Bayern... It does seem as though Sadio Mane is pushing for a move, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, 
I find that very odd because um, obviously he has the same agent as Serge Gnabry. And um, so Bayern are basically negotiating with the Gnabry camp saying, okay, well, we we don't we can't sign you to this deal, and then they're talking to the same camp and saying, "Oh, by the way, we would like to sign Sadio Mane." <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I find that very intriguing. I don't know. I just would like to be a fly on the wall for those kind of talks. Um, I I can't remember if we've talked about this on the podcast yet, or if it's just something we've talked about in person or on Twitter, but. Just a brief thing on the Manny thing. I actually think he'd be quite a smart signing for for Bayern. Yeah. Um, not a long term signing. He's a quick fix. But if Bayern are getting the inclination that Gnabry is moving on, then I think Sadio Manny would be a really smart, you know, stopgap. He's got bags of experience. When he's when he's really interested and when he's really committed, he's an outstanding player, and he's also a workhorse. So. You know he's he's spent he's he's built his career at Liverpool working off of Mohamed Mohamed Salah and you could see him doing that off of Lewandowski if only for a year. Yeah. Uh, but I think he'd actually be a smart Gnabry replacement if the club are inclined to sell Gnabry this summer. Yeah, and I think Gnabry is probably now very high on Real Madrid's list with Mbappe not going going there. Mm. They could right. probably sell Gnabry for a pretty decent sum. And some Bayern fans might be inclined to accept that. I, I okay, so I, I thought about this yesterday. Gnabry had 14 goals and eight assists last year. That's a lot more than Kingsley Coman. I'm <laughs> I don't think that selling him is a good idea. Hmm. But just, the problem is the, the problem is that Bayern have already committed <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, they've already committed to sticking by Coman. Right. You know, so yeah. And Sunny, and Sunny as well. Oh yeah, of of course. But it's 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 a tricky one because if they've got these three outstanding wingers, but they've only really got two positions for them. I know Sunny likes to claim he's a number ten or a number mm-hmm. eight or whatever else, but let's be honest. That's realistically long term. That's probably not where he's going to play. Jamal Musiala is probably going to be the number ten when yeah. Thomas Muller steps down. Um, so it it's it's a tricky one, but Gnabry in his current role, the club, which is as a kind of Impact sub, backup wing back, uh, you know, sometimes even played as a striker if need be. He's never the first name on the team sheet in either wing positions, which, you know, you could argue all night long whether that's correct or not correct, but that's the case. That's the simple fact of the matter. And there's mm-hmm. no way that Bayern are going to turn around and say, okay, Gnabry, you're now in front of Coman because they're just giving Coman this huge deal. Yeah, well, and also Gnabry doesn't want to sign a new deal. Right, um, mm-hmm. and you can understand problem. why because what we just talked talk, talked about. Yeah, it's 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 hugely interesting, and um, I just find it interesting that the same camp that's representing Gnabry then turns around and says, like, "Yeah, but Mane, that works out. <laughs> you can have him." Um, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall for this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it's hugely interesting. I just I also find it interesting because obviously I tweeted that money is something that they're working on, and um, it's always interesting seeing the responses of people saying that's never going to happen. But it, there's a lot of people who are very close to the club saying that they're really working on it, 
whether it's going to happen at the end of the day is a completely different matter, right? Like we, things can happen. Maybe he renews at Liverpool after all. Maybe mm-hmm. he's using Bayern to get more money out of Klopp. We don't know. But at the end of the day, it is a fact that Bayern Munich are trying to sign him. Yeah. I, I, I'm inclined to believe that he probably will move on, if I'm being honest. If you watch Liverpool last couple of years, he's been a perfectly good player, but he is now competing with two new strike two new players for his yep. position in Yota and now Diaz. And it seems as though Liverpool have had their ducks set in a row for that. Um I think there were some reports that he actually wanted to leave last summer. Yes. Uh and that actually makes sense because it means Liverpool have now had a full season and a half to kind of prepare for his departure um, Mm. which now seems to be coming uh, if they do win the Champions League or maybe if they don't win the Champions League but yeah I think I think Manny would be a smart signing for Bayern um, Mm. if they can pick him up but just we'll see we'll see final thought on Manny he did play in Salzburg so (laughs) this is this going to Munich is not a culture shock for him and that is that is a that is a big factor for Bayern Munich signings, isn't it? Yeah, of course. You'll know exactly what what's expected of him, and he's been a great player at every club he's played for. So, uh, I really don't doubt that it would work out very well for him. Yeah, yeah, interesting one. Um, I think we had Dortmund on our list to talk about too, but I think with Dortmund we should probably, and we did speak about Dortmund and the new head coach quite a bit on the earlier show this week. So I feel like we should leave Dortmund alone this week and um, bring them back and the striker discussion. Maybe we have some more information about it next week when we when we come back and discuss the whoever Dortmund will sign as a new striker next week. Um, so yeah, let's, let's wrap it up here. As always, this show has been brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening. And we got some wonderful reviews this week. Keep them coming. Let us know what you think of this show. Um, let us know what you think as well on Twitter. You can get us both on Twitter, me by my name, and then Stefan Bienkowski is S B Bienkowski, right, Stefan? That's it. Yeah, perfect. Um, so yeah, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, auf Wiedersehen. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.